Last time, unlicensed to parent. You know, the Bible says sing with grace in your heart unto the Lord. So if you can't have an expression of music with grace, I can at least peel the scripture for expression. Does it really meet the grace threshold? Today on Licensed to Parent, we'll continue our conversation with Pastor Joe Schimmel about music and also include some Marvel movies in there. That's today on Licensed to Parent. Hi, I'm Michelle Hill, and I'm glad you joined us for another episode of Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. Shepherds Hill is a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis. Our host is the founder and executive director of Shepherds Hill, Trace Embry. Trace is the author of The Miracles of Shepherds Hill. Our goal, Unlicensed to Parent, is to take what we're learning each day at Shepherd's Hill and share it with you so that you can better be prepared to raise your kids in a way that honors God. And Trace, we had quite the conversation with Pastor Joe Schimmel last week, and mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to continuing our conversation today. Yeah, me too. There's a, there's a ton to go over. We'll never hit it all, but... Uh, last time we were talking about the power of the music itself that, that even transcends articulation, the lyrics. A lot of people are concerned about the lyrics. Believe this or not, my bigger concern is the music itself. Uh, Joe, those who compose soundtracks, they understand this. Soundtracks to movies and TV programs, I mean. Uh, they understand that music speaks a message that does transcend articulation. Uh, can you give us an, uh, maybe an example of what I'm talking about here? Yeah, I think that all of us, uh, we know that, you know, words can go a long way, obviously, but you can hear a piece of music just to kind of emphasize your point. And it may have, you might just hear a few notes and it can be bring back a rush of feelings from a past experience that you had encountered that, you know, had a, life, a life-defining experience or what have you uh, with a flood of emotions that may then go beyond what you experienced the time you went through something. It has such a powerful uh, ability to transform feelings. And we have two sides of the brain. Science has shown us we have, you know, the left side, the right side, the left side's more uh, cognitive, the right side's more creative. Well, it's interesting. Music can be used in such a way where your feelings, when you can get someone's feelings really going, they can bypass the cognitive side of the brain, the left side of the brain, and introduce messages into the, the, into the heart, into the right side of the brain, into the heart that would otherwise be rejected. Give you one quick example of this is Madonna is leading, you know, tens of thousands of people at her concert, you know, and, and she's singing, I'm going to ring my bell, you know, we're going to go to hell. Mm-hmm. And then all the crowds repeating that and they're seeing it with her for yeah. a long period of time. What's going on there? These are these people. If somebody came up to you and said, hey, say this, you know, I want to go to hell. You, you wouldn't say it, you know, mm-hmm. but you, you right. music to really well, transform and move people in a powerful way. Yeah, and I think with respect to movies or TV, uh, the guys who compose the music can even their their whole purpose uh, for uh, a soundtrack behind the music is to more indelibly implant the message of the movie. For instance, Braveheart, you've got you know William Wallace, you know, charging the the, the fields of Scotland or England or wherever he was charging, and you're not hearing SpongeBob music to that, right? Uh-huh. Right. And, and conversely, you, you, your kids are listening to or watching SpongeBob and hearing the, the soundtrack, the Braveheart. It doesn't work. And you wouldn't play circus music on your honeymoon or, you know, maybe a polk. I mean, maybe you would. <laughs> I don't know. But there are, the music is designed to enhance what's being articulated on screen and, and what the, the visual part of it. So, 
you're 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 composing a message that, that reinforces that. And, and and my concern is that there are a lot of Christian artists out there. I'm, as a matter of fact, someone just sent me a parody uh, that uses Christian lyrics uh, with a Christian message to some really rough heavy metal music. And I think he was thinking that, you know, I'm going to like this. And I'm like, no, I don't like this because this is giving appetites that transcends articulation to the listener. Half the lyrics you can't understand anyway. And I'm thinking to myself, what better genius tool of the devil to fuel someone's appetite for something that maybe the lyrics aren't Christian? Are you tracking with me here? No, yeah, absolutely. I had my, a personal experience that I just felt conviction, you know, by the Lord. I was driving down the road years ago, a newer Christian, and a song had come on, and I was really attracted to the, you know, just the crunchy, you know, riffs and so forth. Beats and, and rhythms. And before yeah. I knew it, I was like, wow, it brought me back to the feelings of my old life before Christ. And all of a sudden I realized, man, this is making me think, you know, I just want to bang my head kind of thing. And musically speaking, you know, and uh, I'm I'm thinking of myself and how I feel right now and how this makes me feel, and and I was like, and I just felt it was it's subjective, but I felt dirty, like, and I literally it was cassettes in those days. I popped the cassette out, threw it out my window. Probably should have littered. I just didn't want to put that thing back in again yeah. and hear that song and be tempted to because it was it was it was a very powerful experience in a bad way for me, you know. And I was th- I thought, you know what? Music can get, Kerry Livgren, he, you know, he's played with Kansas, one of the top bands of their day, a secular band, mm-hmm. uh, professed Christ, wrote a book. And in that book, he said, music could get to the point, just the expression of music where it ceases to glorify God. And he's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's expressions of music today, like Screamo, Christian Screamo. And my conviction, it. it's just, I mean, if you tried to scream like a demon would sound, if it was, you know, possessing someone, and then you put Christian lyrics to that, that's what that music sounds like. And that's not singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. So music, we have to really test it. What's happening here is Psalm 12, 8 reminds me, you know, this is when the wicked freely strut about when what is vile is actually honored among men. So do you see the application of this verse when considering what's being produced and performed in, uh, in, in so many of today's contemporary music artists like Cardi B. She gets rewarded for WAP, wins a, a Grammy, right? By creating some just absolute poison. And I just don't get it, guys. I'm, 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 I'm sorry. I, I understand that. Why anyone would want to mimic just the energy. Forget Now, that's a, that's a song where the lyrics is, were, were probably maybe the, the, the worst part of it. But uh, I don't understand why Christians aren't leading uh, cultures in music, whether it be Bach or Mozart or whatever. I'm not saying you have to listen to classical music to do this. You can you can play some a lot of contemporary style music and still do it. But we're following the lead of the heathens out there, and and things have gotten so crazy that you know 30 years ago, Super Bowl halftime shows would play family entertainment, marching bands, Disney type of stuff. Okay, which even Disney type of stuff is is, is going off the rails. But here you are in the last Super Bowl where it's Snoop Dogg, Eminem, and I forget the other person that was playing on there. This is now considered family entertainment. This is insanity. Cardi B actually did a voiceover for some cartoons on Nickelodeon. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, 
this is, this is emblematic of where we're at and the cognitive dissonance that the church is experiencing. And there must be a reason why pastors aren't speaking about this from the pulpit because their worship services are, are I think in very too often and, and Joe, correct me if I'm wrong, are conflating worship with entertainment because worship and entertainment are cousins. One is to exalt the human or not. Well, satisfy the human, the others satisfy God. So I, I think it's like everyone is so uh, saturated and our appetites have been so groomed and trained for poison that we just, I, I guess we don't want it messed with. You know, Trace, just as you're talking about uh, family entertainment, I, my mind can't help but be drawn to the Marvel movies mm-hmm. because that is what families today gather around when they're watching when they're watching their TV or they're going out to the movies. They're going to the Marvel. They want to see the latest Marvel movie. But mm-hmm. Joe, I know that you recently completed a documentary on the Marvel series. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, we just uh, dropped about a month and a half ago, two months ago, a video called Marvel and DC's War on God, Antichrist Agenda. It's, it's become very anti-Christ. Uh, yeah, so what we've done is, and by the way, this was something that I didn't anticipate ever doing. Uh, when my kids were very young, uh, you know, I just, you know, old, old enough, but we went to like the first Spider-Man movie by Marvel. And we're very protective. We're like, man, you know, there's not a whole lot of entertainment that's okay for children. And at the, the very first Spider-Man movie, you know, I was like jolted because here Aunt May, you know, Spider-Man's aunt's praying that our father, you know, lead us not in temptation just before she gets to deliver us from evil. The Green Goblin just, it's an epic type scene considering in, in, in uh, Hollywood just burst through the walls and he's hovering and he's like, finish the prayer, you know, Lord Defoe, finish the prayer and deliver us from evil. And then rather than being delivered from evil, she's just practically destroyed. She ends up in the hospital. Next scene, you see her, you know, basically almost comatose. And the message there, the messaging there was, guess what? God can't deliver you from evil, but guess what? Your friendly Spider-Man can. Mm. And uh, as time went on, I, I saw a little bit more here and there. And I, and I started explaining to my wife and the kids, I personally, they got older and I was like, you know, they knew that I wasn't watching these movies, Marvel and DC. My kids are all out of the house now, and they're all strong believers, and they share similar convictions, you know, on this. But I, I, I continue to say, wow, because I started to see, you know, the villain was made to be often Christ-like. And uh, the heroes were, at, at best, humanistic, but often occultic, occultic, like Doctor Strange. The movie that just came out now is a sorcerer, uh, and he's actually made the image of Aleister Crowley. Maybe we could talk about that a little bit uh, by the by those who you know, fashioned his character. But this is what, this is what nailed me was I didn't do anything on this for years. Just thought, you know, wow. And then I saw a trailer of Thanos, you know, with the Avenger movies, which are the biggest, uh, he's coming with his armies right from, from the, the heavens. And he denounced himself as I am right. Mm-hmm. Pregnant pause, you know, inevitable. And then you have Iron Man and you have, you know, the forces, the superheroes on earth and the spiritual superheroes as well, the gods coming through portals created by Dr. Strange to create this great big war against the one who declares himself to be the I am. I said, Lord, this sounds a lot like, you know, the book of Revelation. And mm-hmm. I said, I just put my hands there and said, almost like a flare prayer. I just cried to God, if you want me to do more on this, Lord, 
expose, burn it on my heart and I'll do it. But I didn't know what would go would come with that. The next day it was burning on my heart. And I can't tell you within days how much I found. I had no idea. It became as deep or deeper than the Satanism that I exposed in the music when I started looking at the top writers, not fringe writers, the top writers being involved in the Satanism of Lester Crowley, practicing his magic, channeling spirits, mm. the top writers writing many of these comics long before the movies came around, and the same thing followed through with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, we're, we're going to talk about that when we come back from the break, but you talked about a kind of Christ. Uh, the, the, the thing that's so appealing is this Christ, this Savior, uh, isn't telling you to die to self, but to gratify yourself like the angel of light. And a lot of people getting sucked into this. Our guest today is Pastor Joe Schimmel. You're listening to Licensed Parent with Trace Embry. Trace, Joe, and I will be right back after this break. Hi, folks. Trace Embry here, host of the Licensed Parent broadcast and founder of Shepherd's Hill Academy. We've all heard about modern-day miracles, mostly from mission fields. Frankly, I believed about half of them and experienced none of them until about 30 years ago. Christ truly became the Lord of my life. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill is a book that wasn't written as much as it was recorded. It's the true story of how God used a handshake, my family's last $200, and our 30-year odyssey of bumper-to-bumper miracles to acquire a 60-acre farm that was used by the devil and turned it into a 250-acre globally recognized healing ministry for God. I want all people to know that Jesus Christ is still in the miracle-working business for those submitted to His word, will, and way, and who properly understand what faith truly is. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill, an extraordinary odyssey of divine interventions by Trace Embry. Learn more at LicensedToParent.org. Your children are teens now. They're growing up and gaining independence. That's kind of the point of parenting, isn't it? You're raising future responsible adults, but they're not responsible adults yet. They may be able to do things on their own, but you still want to be able to contact them and you want to equip them for success. So you decide to get them a smartphone. But why a smartphone? For most people, that means 24-7 access to everything on the planet. And that's not wise, nor is it healthy. Digital addiction is prevalent these days. In fact, we see teens of all ages dealing with mental health and behavioral issues rooted in overuse of technology. Issues that affect health, wellness, ability to focus, performance in academics, and more. That's why at Licensed to Parent, we want you to choose a wise phone alternative instead of a smartphone. More information is available at LicensedToParent.org slash wisephone. Welcome back to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy. Shepherd's Hill is a one-year residential program for teens in crisis. And today, we're helping you, the parent, think through entertainment, specifically the Marvel movies. Our guest today is Joe Schimmel. And Joe, as I've been listening to podcasts and as I've been reading, some people are really highlighting and praising the Marvel movies and saying that they're seeing likenesses of Christ in the movies, or they're seeing some lines that are leading people that way to seeing more of a a lightness. But yet you're saying that there's some dangerous things that are penetrating through these movies. So can you help me understand just what's going on here? 
Yeah, what's interesting is often the Christ figure uh, that's Christ-like in a lot of the Marvel and DC movies, uh, there's an inversion, which we call the Gnostic inversion, where the Christ-like figure in so many of these movies is portrayed as evil, you know? And the villains and the superheroes that you're made to root for are often, you know, into very arrogant, wicked-type behavior, but it's not as bad as the the, the supervillain uh, who is made to be Christ-like. So one of the things I have a concern about with this, for instance, a, a book is coming out right now, uh, which takes the opposite view of us to a degree, uh, where it basically, you know, all these things are good to watch, and it's great. And, and uh, the, the guy that's actually written this book, he is actually a really good apologist and done, done a great job in, in areas of apologetics, yet he says uh, in one of his clips, he says his, his movie that he thinks is the best movie that's ever been put out in recent history is, is Harry Potter, because Harry Potter is such a great picture of Jesus. And he's and he's just drooling over this, and my heart breaks. I'm like, wow! Hmm. Here you have a book that is Madame Blavatsky, one of the top occultists. Her name, an amalgamation of her name, is used, and she's promoted. And uh, the, the you know J.K. Rowling says that uh, it was like a stream of consciousness. All these characters strolled into her mind when she was on a train, I think, to Manchester, and she says that she take notes. She'd get this audible voice that would dictate to her, and she's promoting the occult and Wicca and witchcraft. Just took off when these 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 books became popular and it we don't look we shouldn't look at these books i mean the bible warns about doctrines of demons and seducing mm-hmm. spirits in the last days and when i see what the scriptures say and then i look at how the church at for instance ephesus acted in, in acts 1919 and they destroyed all their books in the occult somebody come along and say hey you know we can find pictures of jesus in these books no they got rid of these works of darkness and exposed them and my heart breaks because now, just think of this. You, we're talking about J.K. Rowling and her occult-type experiences. When you look at Marvel films, when you look at the top ten uh, movie genres of all time now, four of the top ten are based on superheroes. Batman, X-Men, Spider-Man are all the top ten. But number one is the Avengers, right? Mm-hmm. And now it's interesting because when you look at the biggest actor in the last 15 years, is Robert Downey Jr. Do you know how he got the part to play Iron Man after being in and out of prison and everything? And, and uh, you know, he got canned just after a year on Saturday Night Live. He said, I practiced my lines in three different ways, so I think not to, to, to say them. But then he said, I practiced the most before he auditioned for the part. So then what I did was I practiced the most intense ritualistic magic I ever did. Mm-hmm. And he said, I got a sandstone wand. He said, I, I put pictures of Iron Man out. And by the way, this is how Grant Morrison, the top second writer right now, last four years, has been voted the second writer by Comic Book Review. He's a practitioner of Satanist Alistair Crowley's magic, and he channels demons, and he talks to the kids about how to channel entities. He works these things into his comics as well. He says to get uh, comics of Flash, uh, uh, play Ray of Light, because you want to contact, for instance, the spirit Hermes. You want to invoke him play Ray of Light because it has to do with speed. Madonna's Ray of Light takes some speed, uh, perhaps, he says, uh, and put these pictures of Flash out, the comic character, because Flash is made in the image of that god, Hermes, and you can invoke the spirit. Well, Robert Downey Jr. puts pictures of Iron Man out from the comics. He says, if Aleister Crowley had a little brother, I would be the expletive. And he's basically saying he's practicing Crowley magic to evoke these spirits. So mm. we're being taught, oh, these are actually good movies. We can see Christ in them and be edified. It's like, you guys, we got to look 
a little bit deeper and realize that this is a ruse. This is yeah. part of a huge deception that's about turning people from Christ to the occult. The, the, listen, more people don't understand this because they don't understand just how intelligent and crafty and uh, insidious the devil actually is. You know, statistics show that just look at the statistics. Forget about the obvious things that are going on in the streets of the cities in, in America. That we are a systemically ill society. All right. When when one in ten kids are on some kind of behavior med, that 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 ought to tell you something. So we're gullible, and when I see that we're so gullible, then we can buy into anything, and, and I think we have bought into anything um, because we're so distracted, busy, hurry, rushed, nose in the smartphones. We can't see objective reality for what it actually is. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm flabbergasted that people who should know better are, are being hooked into some of this stuff. I mean, do you think that uh, Christians who would take the other side of this argument that you talked about, uh, Michelle, Perhaps they are not privy to the backstory that Joe is and the reports and, and the, the stories that he's bringing to the equation. You think if they knew some of these things that maybe they might change their tune or are they making these judgment calls about something that they know very little about because they, they themselves. Look, if, if Jesus Christ himself told the, the rock of the church, Peter, get behind me, Satan. You don't have the things of, of God in mind, but the things of man. And if you have the things, of, if man is your preeminent go-to source, you might as well be worshiping the devil. Or am I wrong, Joe? No, I, I think it's, uh, you know, it, 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 absolutely, that's part of the crisis that we're facing right now is many people aren't going beyond the surface. Sometimes a lot of it's just ignorance. And they don't know the, the backstories and what's really going on with the writers and so forth and how dark this is. And as you mentioned, how genius the evil one is. And also, I think, goes back to, and I'm not saying every one of these guys, but sure. to the last show I was able to do with you, Trace, is we, we talked about the addictions are so powerful. Right. And I think many of these people are addicted since they were young to yep. a lot of these superheroes and now cinematic universe that they won't let the others peer into the darkness that they may be involved in, lest they have to give up the addiction. That, and now God knows the heart. I don't know each and everybody's motive, but I will say this, when you look at, we'll just take something that's real current right now, uh, the Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. They didn't break him out as a, a, a top superhero until just the last uh, five, six years, and they just made his it was just became the second movie because they weren't going to push this, uh, this guy who wields, you know, occult power. They had to make sure it's like the frog in the pot, you know, they had to make sure people would accept him. Right. But Dr. Strange is, is based on the Satanist Alester Crowley. In fact, it's interesting when you look at the top writers, the top writers, Alan Moore, this is by comic book review, the top fanzine site. When you look at the top writers, you've got Alan Moore, Number one, you got Grant Morrison. Number two, you got Stan Lee. Number three, voted as all-time writers. All three of these guys have pushed Aleister Crowley. Alan Moore, he practices Crowley's magic. He says that he's like the Joseph Goebbels, the, the propaganda minister of the Nazis of art. He mm -hmm. talks about he's in touch with a demon of visual arts, and he worships Glycon. He says a, a Gnostic god from the past, and he says that he channels this information. And he's actually done. And this is the top writer. Time Magazine, top 100 literists in English of all time. His book, The Watchman, made it. It's a graphic novel. And this guy, Grant, this guy right here we're talking about, 
Alan Moore, he has Crowley saying, do what thou wilt, you know, through V for Vendetta, his character V for Vendetta. He has Alice from Alice in Wonderland, Wendy from Peter Pan, and he, he takes these little girls, right, Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz, and he does a series, I think it lasted 17 years, called Lost Girls, and he has them having sex with different people in perverse situations. He's mm-hmm. being interviewed on BBC uh, Hard Talk, and they said, this is pornographic. He goes, well, we are trying to make pornography. He says, you have girls as young as 14 here, that's, that's pedophilia. He goes, yeah, but we don't use real people. You know, these are the top, this is the top writer. And how can we take their stuff and say, oh, we can actually show Jesus and, and, and get people into them. But I'll just say this with Dr. Strange, since I mentioned him, is Lester Crowley, uh, if you look up the first incarnation of Dr. Strange, which Stan Lee said we went back to the earlier sorcerer, which was Dr. Droom, with not Dr. Doom, D-O-O-M, Dr. Droom, like as in broom, but with a D. And then he became Dr. Drew and he became Dr. Strange. Somebody, anybody but your audience could Google Dr. Droom and Aleister Crowley. Look at Aleister Crowley with the bald head. You'll see that Dr. Droom was Aleister Crowley. And I, this is, oh, let me say one more thing on this. One of the guys who basically he led, he, he claims to be, you know, the lead writer for, in the 70s for both DC and Marvel, Steve Englehart. He was one of their top writers at the very least. He revamped DC in the 70s. The Batman that Jack Nicholson played was based on his Batman. In the 1970s, he also did Doctor Strange for Marvel. And guess what he, he joined, Trace? He joined Crowley's OTO, Satanic Organization. He's, uh, he, he's on a program. We play clips from this where he's, the host says, do what thou wilt. That's how it, it begins. And they talk about how he st- took Crowley's magic and brought him into Doctor Strange. And here's one of his stories. He says, in one of his stories, and this is with his battle with Sisseneg, Sisseneg and Doctor Strange are battling. Sisseneg is the evil sorcerer, and you're going to see for a second that he's Yahweh. He's the evil sorcerer, and Doctor Strange is trying to stop him as he goes back in time and he absorbs power from King Arthur and others, and he gets all this occult power, and Doctor Strange is little compared to him. He goes back in time to Sodom and Gomorrah. He rains fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah because they're evil. Doctor Strange says they're really good inside. Goes back to the Eden. You got Adam and Eve. They're like hominids, hominids, ape hominids. He goes back before that. He recreates the entire universe, the Marvel universe, right? And he says, no longer call me uh, Sisseneg. Call me Genesis, which, by the way, is Sisseneg backwards. Crowley followers are taught to write backwards. Yeah. You have a Satanist at the time, or a man following Satanist, so Lester Crowley's teaching, making the story of Doctor Strange as a hero, mm-hmm. uh, and Yahweh as the evil one, that's Gnosticism, he's less than God, that's how the Gnostics portray Yahweh, our God. Last thing I'll say, and I'll take a breath, is that uh, Alan Moore, the top writer, said that he, he just loves Crowley, and he says, and what Crowley did, for instance, in his book, Diary of a Drug Scene, is he made the Satanists the heroes. Yeah, well, and that's j- what's going on right now in Marvel and DC. Oh, you make a great uh, case, and we're out of time, but we need to come back and follow up on some of this. Can we pick this up again next time? Oh, Trace, I'd love to. Well, our guest today on Licensed to Parent has been Pastor Joe Schimmel. If you're interested in learning more about Joe Schimmel's work, go to his website, goodfight.org, and there you will find information on the Marvel documentary that we've been talking about today. Thanks for listening to Licensed to Parent. Licensed to Parent is an extension of Shepherds Hill Academy, our year-long Christ-centered, wilderness-based residential program for troubled teens. You can learn more about this ministry to teens and their families at our website, 
LicensedToParent.org. Shepherd's Hill Academy is expanding our campus and we need your help. Would you consider giving a financial gift? A gift of any amount to Shepherd's Hill brings hope and healing to families in crisis and you can give securely online by clicking the donate button at the top of the page when you visit LicensedToParent.org. Thanks to our team for making today possible. Daniel Fazina is our guest coordinator. Our producer is Rich Rosel. Carl Peets is our technical producer. For Trace Ambry, I'm Michelle Hill, inviting you to join us again next time to renew your license to parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.